Okay, let's get it. Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST, and right here for the Locked on LSU podcast. Basketball Tigers fall and a heartbreaker in overtime at Auburn, but they do land a large, figuratively and literally, commitment. Uh, The LSU baseball pitching rotation is set as it is officially game week. More than a dozen LSU Tigers participate in the opening weekend of the XFL and a world record for Mondo Duplantis. So now that football's over, it's interesting because when it's football season, we're so singularly focused on one thing. This is the time of the year as we move into spring where it's a hundred different things, so we're never short of content this time of year. Let's begin with the LSU basketball Tigers losing 91-90 to in overtime at Auburn Arena. Heartbreak, especially coming off the uh, the devastating loss, embarrassing loss at Vanderbilt. What a bounce back this would have been for the Tigers, but they weren't able to get it as they uh, they blew a late lead. Uh, Auburn forced overtime, and ultimately um, Auburn won it in overtime on a buzzer beater there by McCormick. Uh, Javon McCormick with the floater with about a tenth of a second remaining in the game. Here was Will Wick remaining in the game. Here was Will A great game, McCormick, and I mean, Cambridge was a difference just like he was in their game against South Carolina. I think he hit five or six against South Carolina. Hit seven today and just a great, great game. I thought their guard play in, in Cambridge was tremendous and, um, you know, they got us on the backboards in the second half. They got 12 offensive rebounds in the second half in overtime and Tough loss, but uh, it was two really good teams slugging it out and going at each other. And, um, you know, we've got to bounce back from this and be ready to go. Sometimes the box score does tell the whole story. and This kind of feels like it was one of those days. Um, Auburn out-rebounded LSU, 46-36. to 36. Remember we talk about that often. Will Wade wants to win the backboards and then wants to make more free throws than his opponent attempts. Auburn out-rebounded LSU by 10 the biggest stat, as you heard Will mention, there, the offensive glass. Auburn was 17, LSU with eight. And at the at the free throw line, LSU 16 of 20, Auburn 13 of 20. Both teams attempted 20 free throws. So an evenly matched ball game. It's why you could see this thing going into overtime like it did. Um, the really disappointing thing for LSU is they were so good in the first half on both ends of the floor. Holding Auburn to 30, scoring 42. Uh, they were really good, actually, from three as well, although that can sometimes be your kryptonite because it gets to feel like NBA Jam where the net's on fire and you just throw it up because you know every time it's going in. The only problem is this isn't a video game. It's real life, and averages are what they are for a reason because you average out. At this point, you have a big enough sample to know what LSU is, and attempting 32 three-pointers is never going to be something I'm okay with from this LSU team that doesn't shoot well from three. Now you can say, Matt, they scored 90 points. Yes, they did score 90 points, uh, but they were at 74 in regulation, and I can't help but wonder how this game might have been different in regulation um, if LSU would have attempted in the neighborhood of 15 threes instead of 32, but it's what it is. Uh, Skyler Mays is great, 30 points for Sky. He had a chance to win it at the end of regulation. Uh, Will Wade elected not to call a timeout, uh, something that he just – that's Will's M.O. Uh, he's just going to let him play. He's going to put the ball in the hands of a veteran player and see if they can go make a play. Worked for McCormick and Auburn at the end of overtime. It uh, didn't work so much for LSU at the end of regulation. But here was Will talking about that. We were gonna. We wanted Samir to catch it. We were going to trap him in the corner. He'd thrown it away against Arkansas in the game before. And so we wanted to trap him and get one trap and then foul. And then we had a play set up if we needed a two or a three late in the game. 
And, um, you know, I was going to call timeout if we got the steal and we didn't have a layup, but we got the steal and we had a layup and we got it and I called timeout to try to set our defense so it didn't get all helter-skelter on us. But, you know, I should have called timeout at the end of the regulation to get us a better shot than, than what we took at the end. Easy to say in hindsight, but that's not Will's MO. And if LSU ends up, he did it with Tremont and he does it now with Skyler and if the same situation arises in a future game. I'm sure they'll just let it play out because that's just seems to be his default and where he's comfortable. And I'm okay with that. If that's what Will wants to do, that's I'm okay with that. Um, the thing about Auburn is, and we'll talk big, more big picture here in a second, but the thing about Auburn that we talked about on Friday is this is a team that wants to get up threes. They shot 44 three-pointers in the ballgame. They want to get up threes. They want to get them up early in the shot clock. They want to shoot 30 a game. And they may miss a bunch, but when they start falling, it's an avalanche. And, you know, a, a three-point deficit for Auburn can become a double-digit lead in a blink. And you saw that both at the end of regulation as uh, LSU had a double-digit lead that Auburn erased. And then in overtime, as Auburn got up seven in overtime because everything they put up in the air seemed to fall. But LSU doesn't quit and credit them for coming back. With Javante's threes, with Skyler making the free throws in overtime, then Emmett's dunk, which gave LSU the lead. This is a resilient basketball team, and it's one of those games where you really wish that they had won that game so that resiliency at the end would have been rewarded. But in essence, uh, in the end, it wasn't. And McCormick made a play that was, I thought, well defended by LSU. Uh, they, they screened Watford, and thought Marlon Taylor's defense on the play was really good. Kid just threw a floater in the lane. It bounced and went in. So sometimes you tip your cap. There's a lot of things that could have happened differently in the course of that ball game that could have led LSU to win it before the final 11 seconds of overtime. So the Tigers lose, but Will Wade did put it in perspective. We got to be a little bit better, but look at the end of the day, you know, I'm as down as anybody, but we're still tied for first place, Absolutely. and it's a it's a it's an eight game race to see who can win, and and this is as tough an environment and as good a team as there is in our league, and we came in here and we stood toe to toe with them because we were locked in and we were engaged. And we've got to uh, we've got to continue down that path and, and keep playing well. Despite the loss, LSU's net ranking did not change. Uh, they're still sitting there at 27 in the net. And Will is right. Now, look, we could talk a lot about this game and a missed opportunity. And the truth is, you know, in the eyes of the committee, the way you counterbalance a bad loss with a good win. This would have been a good win. The only other really good win you have available left on your schedule would be if you beat Kentucky at the Maravich Center. Perhaps we could say winning at Florida could be that, but really th this was your opportunity to go on the road and beat 11th-ranked Auburn, the team that I think is the best team in the SEC, and LSU darn near did that, both at the end of regulation and in overtime, but just came up short in a really tough place to play. But LSU is still in first place in the SEC, and they still play Kentucky at, at the Maravich Center next week. So you have a great opportunity still controlling your destiny in the SEC. So this is an opportunity for LSU. This is the one this week. They play Tuesday, so they don't have to marinate on it another day. But they play Tuesday at home against Missouri. And this is the one that I think is critical because the loss at Vanderbilt was stunning and the loss at Auburn was expected, even though LSU played very well in that ballgame. But you've got to beat Missouri. If you beat Missouri as a bad team, they're coming into your building. If you beat them, you you siphon off you know the 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 bleeding from this the, these back to back losses and it does become a losing streak. 
And when you look ahead, you're at Alabama next weekend, and then you're home against Kentucky. Then you got two more road games at Carolina and at Florida, which are both tough games. So the thing is, if you don't get this win on Tuesday, it could snowball on you. You get this win. Now you're looking going, all right, well, let's go to Coleman Coliseum, get a win against a Bama team that we've already beaten, and then come home and see if you can beat Kentucky. And if you do that, then you're right back in the mix with five to play uh, for the SEC championship. So this game on Tuesday with LSU is so critical. you got to dust off the, the back-to-back losses, come out, and dominate a bad Missouri team at the Maravich Center. We will preview that game tomorrow on Locked on LSU. Let me knock out a quick break. Uh, Friday, LSU baseball will throw out the first pitch as they'll open the 2020 season. We now have our starting rotation for the Tigers. Paul Maneri making that announcement over the weekend. We'll get to that next. Locked on LSU, your team every day. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We continue Locked On LSU, your team every day. A pulmonary met with the media on Friday in advance of this weekend's Opener against Indiana. The Hoosiers coming to Alec Box Stadium for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday tilt against the Tigers. We now know what LSU's rotation will be. As expected, it'll be Cole Henry on Friday night, the guy who was really the ace of LSU staff a year ago despite injury. Uh, Henry uh, made 11 starts and 14 appearances as a freshman, but when he was right a year ago, he was as good as there was in all of college baseball. 72 strikeouts and just 58 innings pitched. Uh, he was his dominant best, or he was dominant when he was at his best a year ago. So it'll be Cole Henry on Friday. Uh, it'll He'll be followed by Landon Marceau, a guy who we know passed on a seven-figure uh, signing bonus to come to LSU a year ago, was really known for his command of three pitches, but struggled mightily throughout parts of last season. Uh, started 14 games for the Tigers, but had some dominant moments as well. If he is on and controlling three pitches, he could very much be a dominant number two in the SEC or in any league. And then it's going to be A.J. Labus coming off of a, an injury a year ago where he missed all of the season. A.J. Labus, Palmineri said, was the story of fall baseball, the biggest, most pleasant surprise of fall ball. And Labus is going to get the start for the Tigers on Sunday, which means Eric Walker will be your midweek guy. Let's not forget, Still a guy who was a freshman All-SEC a couple of years ago. Mikhail Hilliard is available. Jaden Hill, a healthy and available at the back of the bullpen for LSU. So you'll be able to go tap into a guy who throws 100 coming out of the bullpen. You got a veteran like Matthew Beck still uh, returning. And Devin Fontenot, who at his best was as good a closer as there was in the SEC a year ago. And you've still got guys like Trent Vetmeyer and Aaron George and guys who gave you good innings a year ago. And then Nick Storrs, who's kind of been a unicorn at LSU. We heard about him coming in, a big, physical, you know, hard-throwing righty who just has not been healthy in his time at LSU, finally has declared himself 100% and is expected to pitch for LSU this weekend. So arms galore for the Tigers, and Paul Maneri says they're going to use all of them. You know, 
you don't expect your starting pitchers to go deep into the game opening weekend. So I have a feeling we're going to be using virtually everybody out of the bullpen if necessary. And then after the weekend is over, we'll just kind of reevaluate where we are, who's available, who wasn't used that much. So expect to see a lot of arms against Indiana. Speaking of the Hoosiers, here's Paul Maneri with a uh, little bit of a thumbnail on the Tigers' opponent. Indiana has had a pretty mild winter. I talked to the coach today. They've been outside several days, actually. They have an artificial turf field. Uh, and then if they are forced inside, the, the days of taking ground balls on gym floors are over. They have indoor facilities just like we have over there at Football Ops. So they're going to they're, they're be well prepared and ready to go. There's no question about it. So we know LSU's rotation. We know a little bit about their opponent. We'll preview the series as we get closer to the weekend. What we're all waiting to see is how LSU's lineup is going to shape out. Paul Maneri's told us that the certainties are that Cade Beloso is going to be playing first base and Daniel Cabrera is going to be in right field. I could guess at the rest of it. Saul Garza is going to catch. You're going to have uh, Zach Mathis at third base, just left to right on the infield. Hal Hughes will be the shortstop. It's a battle between Gavin Duga and Cade Doty at second base. I suspect we'll see both of them this weekend. Same in center with Giovanni DiGiacomo and Maurice Hampton, and it's very likely going to be Drew Bianco in left field. So I think Paul Maneri's also going to play a bunch of guys. You, by now we know, you know Paul's been in play since 2007, and we know that he likes to tinker. He will mix and match, and he will use the early portion of his schedule to figure out who he likes best where to have it ready to go for conference play. It's less about you know going for broke to get the W's and the L's. It's more about finding out who you have and what spots for when conference play comes around. So LSU, Indiana this weekend, we'll learn a lot about the Tigers, but the one thing we seem to know for certain is they have got arms galore, and this staff should be good enough to carry this team into a deep postseason run. Okay, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day. We'll empty the bag as we wrap up. A uh, basketball commitment and a world record for Mondo Duplan. And a world record for Mondo Wrapping up another edition of the Locked on LSU podcast. What a weekend it was for the Duplantis family. Of course, we know Mondo Duplantis, pole vaulter extraordinaire. His one season at LSU, he turned pro. And this weekend, Mondo Duplantis was competing in Poland and attempted a new world record, 6.17 meters. Here's how it sounded. Ruszy za chwilę Mondo. I kto wie... Pięknie płynie po tym rozbiegu. W górę Mondo! Jest rekord świata w Toruniu! Ależ to był skok! Ależ to była próba! Dwie palce w górę i poszefrunął Mondo Duplantis rekordzistą świata tu w Toruniu. W hali mamy rekord świata! Got every word of that, didn't you? Uh, Mondo, after the meet, gave this interview to Eurosports. Did you expect uh, something like this? Yeah, I thought it was possible. Um, you know, that, that second attempt at six seventeen was as good as I as, as good as I could have expected. But um, I, training's been going really well. I feel very feel very fit, very in shape. So. Um, you know, you don't think that everything's going to be put together in the first meet, but uh, just because you're physically good. But um, yeah, it just it came together and came together nicely. Came together at a at a good time, and yeah, I'm excited for the rest for sure. The rest of the season. Was it your best jump in the in the career? Uh, that uh, 617 jump. 
I have to go look at it. I don't know. <laughs> I just like my eyes closed and then I just felt my elbow touch it. And then I was like, oh, are you kidding me? And um, prob I would say it's uh, probably my best jump, yeah. If you start the season like, like this, how will it end? You have to tune in and see. <laughs> who, who knows? It is worth noting Mondo is competing for Sweden, his mother's home country, even though he's Lafayette-born and is an American citizen. I, the idea being that he would have had an easier time making it and being able to compete uh, in the Olympics for Sweden. Uh, but maybe someone from uh, USA Olympics should uh, knock on the door. Uh, one other quick note here before we get on down the road. Uh, LSU basketball got a commit over the weekend from a 6'6", 195-pound uh, forward, Mawani Wilkinson, out of Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. So with the commit, that moves LSU up to the number nine class in the country, according to the 247 composite. Wilkinson picked LSU over USC and Vanderbilt, and he was heavily considering Texas Tech as well, reportedly, in the process. So, the number 29 power forward nationally, number 135 overall. He is a four-star, the number three overall prospect in Nevada. So, um, all things pointing up for Will Wade as he will look to reload for the 2020 class, the 2021 season, and uh, adds a prospect there with Mwani Wilkinson picking the Tigers over the weekend. Okay, it is Locked in LSU, your team every day. Tomorrow, we'll preview LSU, Mizzou, and keep counting you down to LSU baseball, their season opening series at home against Indiana. Until then, Locked on LSU, your team every day.